Welcome back to following No It on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 96, and we have read Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell by Brandon Sanderson in Arcanum Unbounded. How are you, Paul? Great. I'm, uh, you know, ready to cheerfully talk about a very dreary story. Elliot? Yeah, I'm not great. I'm a little depressed after reading this story, to be honest. Before these, all these short stories that we've been doing this last month, I have asked the Discord, help me out with any Easter eggs that I've forgotten, you know, what, what should I point out during the episode? And they've been very helpful. And for this one, they're kind of all like, well, everybody's dead at the end of the, ep- at the, end of the chapter. So it's not like, there's any like Hoyd cameos or anything. Everybody's everybody's dead. So that, that was just kind of funny to me. That, that guys, would be funny to you. Yeah, right. Do you have one word to summarize this story? Elliot. I'll go first this time. My word for this world is shady. Is that a pun? Yes. Okay. Paul? Uh, mine is hyphenated. It's at least one idea. Uh, my my word is silver lining. Okay. Okay. I like that. Let's use these. I don't have a word. Let's use these two words wow. to talk about Shadows for Silence. All right, I will lead off. But first of all, who is on our mug or what is on our mug? Paul? Once again, I am going to uh, say a big thank you to everyone who watches. We don't have a new... Um, what's our what's our names again? Ar- Ardent Surgeon. We don't have a new surgeon or, or hire right now. But I tried to find a lighthearted cup to uh, off-put our dark storyline here. So I have a Dunder Mifflin cup, which is the the paper company in the office, which I think is a very funny show. And so I grabbed this cup for this week um, and ready to laugh through the pain. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon and in our Discord and everything like that. I really enjoy interacting with you guys, so... Thanks for continually watching and supporting us and listening to us. All right, let's start this. I will preface this episode with, I don't like this story. I was not looking forward to this episode. This is very depressing and sad and dark, figuratively and literally story. And not much happens, to be honest. You learn a couple cool things about the Cosmere, which is why we're why we're reading this uh and it's you know written by brandon sanderson so how bad can it really be but i i'm not a huge fan of this story what did you guys what did you guys think would you like to guess what i thought about this story trevor since you didn't like it does that mean you do like it i do like it yes good guess um it's not like well this is my favorite short story or anything like that 
but I I thought it was fascinating. I think uh, storyline. I think I was more captivated than our previous one, um, at least story wise. Uh, that since you don't like it as much, it makes me think that I may have less groundbreaking revelations of how it connects to other things we've seen. But You'll I think the story was exciting. Okay, I think the story was exciting. I, I enjoyed it. Um, should I also talk about my word? Well, oh it. yeah. Uh, I silver lining is the word. I initially was gonna just choose metals because I was trying to come up with a good word, and that's what I could think of. But we see a little bit of use for metal, mostly silver, um, which is why I transferred that to silver lining. Um, I don't fully understand how it works, but it's like basically silver keeps you safe from the shades. I'm using very ambiguous terms here. Um, it's it's a source of of magic here, and. Also, Silver Lining being, although this was a dark set storyline, um, there's still some, some good in these characters we see, and I, I always like be, being able to see that in the midst of, of chaos. Elliot, your word and what you, what you really thought? My, my word means probably exactly what you can, you can guess it means. I was fascinated by the, the shades or the, the ghost, you know, creatures in this, this world and kind of how they work, which got some questions for you guys about that actually. Yep. But then also just, it seemed like everybody in this story was just a little shady. It was like constantly backstabbing you and going after you and you just couldn't trust anybody. So this whole story was pretty shady. Do you guys have any takeaways from the story itself, like self-contained in the the short story where Silence takes her daughter, granddaughter, daughter, daughter out stay... to bounty hunt? There's uh, her and her daughter are secretly that famous bounty hunter that nobody knows the identity of. It's it's actually Silence, and um. They go out, take this bounty, but the people from the fort steal the bounty and they have to steal it back. And that's the gist of the of the story here. And then we get to learn about shades and blood and silver and all that cool stuff. You mentioned leading into this that there's maybe fewer Easter eggs or, or cameos specifically because everybody's dead at the end of the story. I, I actually one of my bigger takeaways from the story was that our heroes, our two main hero characters are not dead at the end of the story. And I was by page three, fully expecting our character, our heroes not to make it. I thought this was going to be a story that ended with the death of our heroes and they didn't. Everybody else died, but they made it. And I was even down to like the last few pages I, I was sure, I was 100% sure they weren't going to make it. And so I think my, my takeaway from this almost is, and I'm thinking about the other Sanderson novels we've read up to this point, Sanderson does not kill his heroes lightly, ever. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before in the Stormlight books of we, even when you expect to lose a hero, you you often don't. And, you know, we can count... We've read a lot of stories so far, and we can count on you know maybe one hand, even a couple of fingers, the major heroes we've lost. It's very few. 
And so I'm, I'm starting to now think about this as, you know, maybe Sanderson's style or approach that he doesn't kill his heroes like other, other authors might, you know, you might often go into a story expecting there to be, you know, big moments where a hero dies and we don't get a lot of those, which actually puts more weight on those moments where they do. You know, I'm thinking the one recently we went through was Elokar, you know, losing him. That was, that was a big loss that we don't go through very much in these stories, which is interesting. I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail too much, but I want to briefly respond. And, and I, I agree fully that it doesn't feel like Brandon Sanderson is going to kill like a main protagonist. Um, and even with Elokar, it was a, a big deal because he's been around for a while, but we really didn't care about Elokar for a long time. Um, he's still not he even killed- like a like an A-tier hero, right? He's still no, not, no you know, our, our frontline hero even. Yeah, D- definitely not. And he, he's like developed in Oathbringer, I would say. There may be little tidbits elsewhere, but in Oathbringer, he's kind of brought up to be chopped down so that we would have a connection with him. And I feel like get the the mark for having an impactful emotional death, which it was... I think the most impactful part about it was that it was Moash. But anyways, we're talking about Shadows for Silence and the, <laughs> and the Forests of Hell. And here, yeah, I, I think if there's a setting to kill your protagonists or, or have like an emotional death or something like that, it seems like it would be here. Um, <laughs> seems like anyone reading it would be pretty prepared for it. Uh, but we don't we don't really have that here either. So this, to me, felt like a lot of, like, family drama slash drama, maybe, if you want to go that far. Um, We see from Silence, who's the mother, right, the mother in our story. I don't remember the daughter's name. William Ann. That's right, William Ann, which I thought was funny. Anyways, is a strangely, like, weird, like, oddly normal name when your mom is named silence like just it's like night and day um and then they reference a lot of like past like i guess emotional relational damage between silence and her mother right um is that what it kind of talks about a bit i don't grandmother i think okay that, that may have been who it is i was thinking that it was talking about william ann's grandmother and so i think that's why i made that connection but one of the two, mm-hmm. um, that this grandmother was like really infamous um, and influenced a lot. Uh, but with the way that Shadow... Um, first off, I, I think maybe I picked up on things a little bit better than I did in the six, Sixth of Dusk, but I'm still not fully confident. So if I say things wrong, please correct me. Yeah. Um, we see silence... I get like a tough love impression of of her relationship with William Ann. Um, like William Ann was kind of grown up in a a dark place, um, like literally and figuratively. Like they're at a like a bar tavern place, and it's really shady. Um, 
And but there's kind of this like silver lining of silence does care for her daughter a lot and and kind of tries to like keep her well even though it may not be super sweet and it's definitely not a tender story um but i feel like i was able to get that from from reading this or seeing there well and it shows you like how broken this world is where she's this this poor woman is forced to fall back on bounty hunting and trapping people and killing them with her bare hands. You know, she has to, you know, even the method that she has to kill them in order to prevent the, the shades from, you know, firing up and, and coming after them is just is brutal. And having to do that just to take care of her family. Like this is a, this is a messed up world where that's what you have to do to feed your kids. Right. And I couldn't help but get the impression that silence was, I don't know how much of this was accurate to what the book was trying to tell and how much was just me running with the ball and speculating. Um, I definitely got the impression that silence was very like damaged by her past family and was trying to not let that go to, to her daughter, but was not always successful, but like put her best foot forward in that way. Um, and I think I appreciated that um, in showing difficulty, but also, yeah, just that it was a weird dynamic. But I thought I thought it was cool to see. Um, you're you're def- that that is in the story. It's not just you that her grandmother locks her in this ring with a shade and says, "Fight it, or I'm going to kill you." And that's her way of raising her correctly in this world of you're either going to die right now or you're going to learn how to survive. And then silence takes that with William Ann, And she's like, yes, I understand why my grandmother, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not going to do the same thing, but I understand the motive of like, she's really trying to help me survive. She's just doing a really bad job of it. So she, she does have that back and forth pull of, she is willing to take William Ann with her because she needs her to help bounty hunt and has trained her in such a way. However, she's not locking her in a ring and saying, fight this shade until you, one of you is dead. I have a plenty to say about the Cosmere as a whole related to this story, but do you, did you guys have anything else for, like for the narrative, the plot, specifically to talk about oh i have one question about the narrative can you clarify if you remember much about how like silver works or kind of how the like magic system kind of works that's really my only question that i don't feel i fully grasped so in the story i'll talk about this more here in a second but silver works against shades to drastic effect is what you're supposed to get out of that okay is it just like a, I, I feel like in my head it was like having, what is it? Like garlic against a vampire where it just like repels them. They're scared. Like they don't want anything to do with you because you have silver. Um, it it heals their damage that they do to you and they are, it does physical damage to the shade. Okay. Both. Nice. 
the only other thoughts I had on this world kind of as a whole, before we dive into maybe some of the specific questions that I have was reading this book, I actually was reminded of, of, of all of the things in the world, runescape, which old school if you're not runescape. familiar. Yes. Old school runescape back when old school runescape was runescape and 12 <laughs> year old me took my, my newbie character and wandered into a, a part of runescape that's infested with shades. And if you don't have your little silver sickle and your protection from those shades, they like devour you pretty quick and you die. And yeah, that happened to me like more than once in runescape. And it, I just, I kind of related with the, the characters in this story a little bit. That's really funny. Maybe Brandon Sanderson played the same section yeah. of runescape and got inspired. Yeah. Could be. So apologies if you never played RuneScape and you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if, if you have played RuneScape, you, you know what I'm talking about. And 12-year-old me was traumatized. So I want to ask, Yep. back into this story, the shades. I'm still I'm a little interested and confused a little bit about some of the mechanics behind how these, these shades work. So when people die, they can become a shade which I think we learned from the, the tidbit in the beginning, like kind of introing the system that we know that some sort of has to do with like Shadesmar and the cognitive realm somehow, or like bits of investiture kind of powering that similar in a way, perhaps to kind of our spren where they're in the physical realm, but they're kind of not at the same time. That doesn't quite answer all my questions here because they they seem to sort of physically interact with beings, but then they also very violently react with the physical beings. They can shrivel them up and completely destroy them. That seems rather different than we've seen like Spren behave on Roshar. But the we talked about silver before and how important that was. But kind of the the rules that govern these shades seemed a little fuzzy to me. So let me preface this answer with what do you guys know of cognitive shadows? That term cognitive shadow right now. After our Cosmere 101 episode, if you remember, any examples of cognitive shadows that you have? It rings a distant bell, but I can't remember. So are fused in the Stormlight Archive are cognitive shadows. They, when you kill a fused, it destroys the body and then it banishes the soul back to damnation or braze. We don't really know the mechanics exactly of how that happens, but that's what happens. You, you kill the, the sing, the body of the singer that they had taken over and hosted. And then the soul is banished back to Braze, and then they come back with the next Everstorm. Um, heralds are also cognitive shadows. They've died multiple times and go to Braze and come back. I don't know if I completely spelled that out in the um, Cosmere 101, but they're also cognitive shadows, and they, but they also have their full physical body back every time as well, so we don't really know like what the Oath Pact does to that how that works we don't we don't know if you have enough investiture when you die in the cosmere you will be you well you can 
I'll say that you can become a cognitive shadow. Not always, and choice is kind of a spoiler there. I'll, I'll leave that for later. But you can become a, a cognitive shadow. What is happening on Threnody is Odium had a conflict with Ambition on Threnody. Wounds th uh, Ambition, and Ambition dies somewhere else, not on Threnody. But the when Odium wounds the Shard Ambition, he kind of spills Investiture everywhere, and it's just rampant. So pretty much anybody who dies on Threnody becomes a Shade. Tracking so far? Yes. Yep. However, we don't know why they're in the physical realm, because most Cognitive Shadows are banished to the Cognitive realm. Okay? But for some reason, they're still in the physical realm. And they're kind of mindless. They're, they're not... They don't really have their coherence like a herald or a fused does. And so you become a shade on Threnody if you die. They also have an obsession with blood. Um, there's hardly any animals left on Threnody because animal A kills animal B. Shades attack both. So in the, in the food chain, let's say a wolf eats a rabbit the shades are going to kill the wolf because they don't like blood. And is this a shades on Threnody thing or is this a cognitive shadows thing? It's a shades. It, it's a, it's a Threnody thing. Threnody okay. is really weird and we don't have that many explanations from Brandon Sanderson on it. It, yeah. it's very violent, very investiture is kind of twisted here and, and we're not sure why. Yeah. I, you, you can definitely see how some ways that the people here like live with it. It's a very violent crew, at least that we see. Um, but they have like weapons tailored to not spilling blood. Right. And like it talks about a crossbow with just like really big blunt like bolts. So it doesn't like break the skin, but it has a huge impact, I guess. And that was really hard for me to envision, honestly. I think... I'm not here to to make complaints about the story, but I think that was the hardest thing for me to follow was like trying to imagine their weapons seemed weird. And I didn't know how to envision shooting a crossbow bolt at someone and it not breaking skin, you know? I, I just imagined it as the club version of a crossbow bolt and I don't know how that would fly, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. it's meant to make a, a yeah. an impact as opposed to a pierce. Yeah. Right. Silver. Let's talk about silver. Across the Cosmere, you've had two metals that have caught your interest as we've been going. And they are... Silver. And... and aluminum. Yes. Aluminum. Okay. Try, to, try to censor yourself here, Paul, if you can. <laughs> but... Um, well, obviously we will learn more about metals in Mistborn if you haven't caught, caught, uh, picked that up yet, Elliot. 
but um here's the here's the tricky thing with silver and aluminum silver and aluminum both have cognitive resistant and cognitive sorry um investiture resistant and investiture inducing powers universally one can affect well, they both have multiple powers but kind of universally they can twist investiture just naturally the, the, there's no there's no investiture required to harness it they just naturally react with investiture now you a question you might be asking is which one is like which one's which which one were we seeing it gets complicated because let's say talk about oathbringer and kaladin comes across to vivena in kolinar and she says oh yeah i got these silvery plates from hoid to help us with our soul casting right do you guys remember this yes you have to take that with a grain of salt because aluminum and silver look very similar. So just because she says they look silvery doesn't necessarily mean it's silver. It could be aluminum. You have to be careful on who is saying what on different metals because if they don't know the difference between silver and aluminum, they're going to describe them very similarly. And it's and as a reader, you have to like carefully reread and figure out which one you're you're dealing with at a certain time. But silence does know the difference between silver and aluminum, and we are dealing with silver here. Okay. Following. That's pretty much it. Any questions? I'll have a couple of Easter eggs to talk about here in a second, but any questions? It's the, the one thing I'm, I'm tying this to as well. We recently read The Emperor's Soul, and there was a medal in there that was important as well, but it had a different name, which I don't even remember. Yep. I'm curious if that was also either silver or aluminum, or if that was a another example of a metal that's in, interacting with investiture. I don't know if that's a spoiler for you to tell me or not, but I'm, I'm thinking of that. It is not a spoiler. I can tell you it was either silver or aluminum. Okay, okay. That's helpful. To clarify for Paul with this confused face over there, if you make if you make an alloy of different metals, it will do different things. It will do both. So okay. if you if you melt down silver um, and another thing and make a new alloy of it, it will have properties of both. Okay. Yeah, I I can I can at least track with that. Yeah, I, I've been excited to see metals kind of all over, um, at least to some extent. It's, it's pretty neat. Um, I'm not done with Mistborn Era 1, but I have started The Hero of Ages, the last one, and I'm almost through Part 1. So, And even though I haven't read any of the Mistborn books yet, I am aware from what I've been able to pick up that metals are a key part of at least part of the magic system in that in that world so i do know that that metal is important a couple easter eggs for your silver that you that we've just been talking about for a long time is these hoid when you first meet hoid 
in the Stormlight Archive. Kaladin describes, actually, it's not when you first, eh, I don't actually remember when it is, but Hoyd is carrying a silver sword with a different sil silvery colored hilt. So either the blade is silver and the hilt is aluminum or vice versa. Okay. Seems like a useful weapon. Kaladin in the market in Shadesmar where he sees the painting that Elliot loves freaking out about. So dearly. Yes. Yeah. Right before that, he sees a chain, a silver chain, or what he calls his silver, being guarded by a bunch of spren. It's it's one of those throwaway lines where it's like and there's a silver chain that costs a billion dollars for no reason. And because it's part of his like Stormlight has a really weird uh monetary value in Shadesmar. It they don't care about the the gemstone, they care about the stormlight in it. Um so this this silver chain over here that's been super heavily guarded is has a lot of value in Shadesmar, um, which we're kind of learning why that is. Good any, to know. Any questions on that? I feel like, you know, trying to tie it back to Stormlight Archive because that's kind of where we're going to be headed back into next. I don't know if I quite have all the pieces to, you know, start saying the specifics of why these metals are are so important but we at least know enough to say they are important and we can we can keep our eyes peeled for you know these certain metals and know that they might be important to our story i wonder what nightblood is made out of uh, <laughs> raffo <laughs> no that's a that's a great question and that is a good question somebody's, somebody's asked brandon sanderson hey what's nightblood made out of and he says no, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> He's a Don Shard, so we'll get to that in our next novella. Ah, yes. Right. Yeah. Totally. We should find out soon. There's, there is a theory that Azure's Blade is made out of something really cool, and she's specifically drained it of color with her um, whatever ability that is. Breath, to, whatever. To yeah. conceal a specific metal that it's made out of. There's a There's a theory out there for that. I like that theory. That's interesting. Yeah, we don't know what that metal is, but yeah, let's go for it. That's a theory I can get behind. All right. Did you guys pick up on the shades and their eye color? I picked up that it was important and that, you know, silence can kind of tell some things by, oh no, their their eyes are going green. We better start moving or... Oh no, they're red. They're going to kill us all now. So yeah, so passively, you know, shade just chilling. It's it's blue, teal, green-ish. So like somewhere in there. And then as they start getting more angry, it, it goes to red. It bleeds from like green to yellow to red. What do you guys associate red investiture with? Void light. That's where my head goes. The Everstorm, right? Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, the like red void spring and red yeah. lightning and red yeah. eyes and yeah. So, I apologize 
in the comments section if I'm not quoting Brandon Sanderson explicitly correctly here. Red investiture means corrupted. And corrupted doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means not in the form that it's supposed to be in. Like, not in the form that it was originally created to be. So something is happening. What you're supposed to infer from that is the thrill who turns people's eyes red. It's twisting them. Shades, when they see blood, they're getting twisted by this, like, this poor intent. And then Odium bringing the the Everstorm to Roshar. That's not natural. Like, does that, does that make sense? Or like Renarin's spren that we know has been touched by Shah Anat and is red and corrupted. Right. Gotcha. So, comprendo? The, the term corrupted has a couple, like, negative connotations to it that don't necessarily apply. It's it's kind of just not as intended. It's more, it's better, the better definition. N- not in its natural state, if you will. Comprehend? Makes sense. The So, Shai and Gautona in Emperor's Soul. When... Uh, when Shai stamps Gautona with the Emperor's seals, there's some red mist that comes off, and it's because of the seal's not taking. So, so something that's not yeah. quite right in the, in the Cosmere, it's gonna go red. Okay. 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 Black. When our shades attack us, when it, the shades attack. Silence and William Ann, they kind of start to mist away like uh, Thanos snapped you. Same thing happens with Nightblood. Same thing happens with the dagger that was used to kill Yezrian. Um, There's a blackened wound around uh, Yezrian. What are you guys' guesses on what black means? Just as a I've, general rule of thumb, I've always thought of it as like an, like an absence of, like investiture or, um, an absence of life. Maybe I think of like when Zeth draws Nightblood at the end of Earthbringer, like when it completely drains him, like his arm starts to turn black and like the veins yep. and stuff like that. I think it's just draining him entirely of Stormlight or investiture or whatever. Um. That's what I've always thought of, but I, I think the way I've been thinking about it is I like that word you used, Paul. Draining. I'm thinking of like a consuming element of it. That's how I think of Nightblood. At least is you know Nightblood just like consumes things, and so now when I'm seeing this a very similar, very similarly described magic elsewhere, it I'm, I'm kind of now equating like a sucking a being or a life into something else. You're not completely right, but you're not far off at all. The verb I would use is destroy. It It is breaking the laws of conservation of mass. It is destroying investiture and making it non-existent. 
as opposed to sucking it in and absorbing it. Does that make more okay. more sense? Yes. It's, yes. Yeah. It's actively removing it from the world as opposed to sucking it in. Understand? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say uh, another word had had popped into my mind before you said that of like void, not in the way we think of like void light or things like that, but just like an emptiness that like is just all kind of all consuming, but not like giving back or, you know, there's no give with the take. It's just takes. So. I'm trying to compare this to, you know, other ways of dying that we have in our in our world. And the the big one I'm trying to think of and help me process through this are, are shard blades, right? right? So when a shard blade like passes through a person, my my first thought was, well, they don't, you know, shrivel up like this, but but then also kind of at the same time they do, right? Their eyes shrivel up and burn. That's always like the the description we get is their their burned out eyes, right? Right. Is that is that like a, another example of this, perhaps, or is that different? It's it's different, but similar mechanic. Yes. Okay. That shard blades are severing the soul from the body, specifically leaving the body untouched. Nightblood right. just eats the whole thing. Right. Right. And the eyes are the window of the soul, so that's why they. You know, disappear, right? <laughs> this might lead you for a couple bunny trails. Uh oh. What is the first black investiture you'd have ever seen? The sphere. There you go. The black sphere. Was were you gonna add something, Paul? I was just trying to think if that was actually, like... I know it was a dark sphere, but I was trying to think if it was really that, like, consuming aspect. If it was, like, black, or if it was just, like, dark. It is described yeah. as sucking light towards it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I buy that. Okay. A big theory before Rhythm of War in the fandom at this point that what you guys have read, including this short story, including Oathbringer was somehow Gavilar had harnessed the power of black investiture and was going to weaponize it. That's a little terrifying. Right. Which is different than like the unmade which is investiture. It's not going to consume investor. It's going to corrupt it. Mm -hmm. Like the thrill makes everybody red, but it's, it's not killing people. It's just corrupting them. Black investiture is destroying it. Exit the world delete. So we have the, that, that makes some sense. Like, Gavilar wanted to bring back these gods, right? And he had that, and we've compared it to our King's Drops, what it call, is called, right, that trapped an unmade? Right. What if this would destroy an unmade? It wouldn't just trap them, but it would turn them into nothing. They would no longer exist instead of just trapping them. Maybe. So maybe that would be like the weaponized way of, of using that. 
any go ahead i was just gonna say i noticed how you clarified there before rhythm of war was released so yeah (laughs) i'm i'm curious to see how the events that we're gonna see in rhythm of war might uh educate us about such an item i agree maybe hopefully possibly i'm very excited to get there one day two years from now it's not that far I know. We're doing Don Don Shard next week. Mm-hmm. We are. All your all your hypotheses about Don Shards and Nightblood being a Don Shard and the King's Drop being a Don Shard will either be confirmed or not confirmed, I guess, is the other option there. <laughs> yeah, it could be denied, but you know. But that's no guarantee that it will be confirmed or denied. It may not be touched. So Right. I am excited. I'm excited to head back into uh roshar we're following lopen and risen right yes in this lopen, risen. there is one other point of view character that you have not met yet okay lopen and for risen, viewers you're, you're two of your bottom 10 on your tier list characters oh, yes yeah they were way down there <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yikes yeah so i you know I'm willing to give them a, a shot. Maybe they'll get more fun. Um, fun fact, just for, for our viewers, is I have always listened to the audiobooks for our stories, but there is no audiobook right now for Dawn Shard, as the, at, at the recording of this, at least. It's supposed to come out, quote, very soon. So I will be reading a physical copy of a book for the first time in our in our podcast history for, for our story this week. So that'll be so fun. You- you can help me pronounce the names of characters yes, that we come yes, across. Yeah, yeah. I, I still have Don Shard from the Patreon on my shelf. It's still in the shrink wrap, so I get to open up my uh, my shrink wrapped Don Shard back there and read along with you. Wow, that'll be fun. Did we satisfy your why are we reading these, Paul? Do you understand now? Yes, yes. It, I appreciate all the insights. I don't know how you f- get all this insight, and I'm definitely just blindly believing it. Well, it, it connects, so it makes sense. But I, I'm I'm glad we read this. It was fun to read these. Um, I think we can just understand and forgive that I'm excited to get to Rhythm of War. You know, I'm very excited to do that, but I'm, I'm enjoying these, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're reading them, and it's cool to see how it all can connect. Any closing thoughts from either of you? This was a good, a good story to read, and you know, compare to to our other stories. It's it's interesting to me how we can read such different stories all set in the same universe. That this grand cosmere that that Brandon Sanderson has has crafted, and I I really like that. I like that we can dabble into you know other corners of the world and experience a story that not only like the events that happen are different, like it just feels different. Like the, the style of the story is so different than where we are at over on Roshar. Like being able to to do that is just, it's, it's so cool. It's really cool. I, I liked the change of pace in, in yeah. our storylines and, and what it provided. Um, something that just fascinates me in general is like family dynamics. I studied that a good bit in college and I, this that was kind of fascinating to me in this story. Um, I think that's also my favorite part of Shalon's book is is learning about that. Even though it's very very intense, very sad, 
but it's it's something that fascinates me personally, and so so I enjoyed this. Glad to hear that from you guys. We will be diving back into the Stormlight Archive next week, unless you guys have any, any more closing thoughts. I'm excited. Bye-bye. Don't try next week. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>